And welcome to episode 88 of McChesney Unchained. I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as always. Uh, thank you for, for joining us today uh, on election day, no less. So I hope everybody got out and voted and uh, and, and put their two cents in there. Uh, from what I can gather, it's record numbers of people showing up to vote. About 70% of the country has voted, so that's good. The other 30%, um, I know why you're not voting. I mean, I can easily not vote this year. I, I think both candidates are kind of turds, but that's not what we're talking about today. Thank God. Um, episode 88 is going to be a lot of college football. Uh, a lot of NFL games this weekend were nuts, uh, down to the wire. And then the, the growth of a young quarterback in Drew Locke and, and the Broncos coming back from 24-3 against the Chargers. Uh, that will be a huge part of today's show, obviously. And then we are uh, honored to have uh, Phil Lindsay on as our guest today. He'll be joining us via Zoom when he gets done wrapping up his Tuesday over at the facility because you know a good pro is always in there on his off day, as he is. And we'll ask him a bunch of questions and talk about this season and the Broncos, the Buffs, and the state of football in the state of Colorado because, you know, he's a hometown guy just like yours truly. So we're damn excited to have Phil on today's show and uh, episode 88 rolls. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be a good show. So uh, let's get it going. Thank you to Adam for, uh, for, for, for braving the elements and, and, uh, and helping us out here today via Zoom. So episode 88 rolls. Okay, college football. Uh, we wrapped a week. And really, <clears throat> in my opinion, it was, a, it was a good weekend of college football. Not a great weekend of college football, but a good one. Number one team in the country fell down early. Uh, and came back, you know, and, and one ended up beating Boston College, a team that they should have stomped. Um, Trevor Lawrence not playing last weekend was a big story. Him not playing against Notre Dame this weekend is a huge story. Um, so I, I think that playing BC at home is one thing. And, and um, if they if they don't if they don't show up correct against Notre Dame. In South Bend, Clemson will lose by three touchdowns. Now, I, I don't anticipate that happening. I think it'll be a close game. But the lines on this game were nuts uh, in favor of Clemson before Trevor Lawrence went out with COVID. And since he's not playing, the line is is really calmed down. And, and that will tell you what the number one pick in the draft can do for your college football team. Uh, the Texas-Oklahoma State game was nuts. Uh, that went into overtime. And uh, UT ended up beating Oklahoma State, so it looks like the Big 12 is out of the playoff race, and there's only 10 teams in your conference. You call it the Big 12, you should be out of the playoff race. Uh, the Big 10 is dealing with their own monster. Wisconsin looks like they're not going to play at all this year. Ohio State's running away with that conference. So, you know, it, it's kind of pick your poison here. Everybody tried to not play for a while to avoid the virus, and the virus got worse. And now people are and teams are dealing with it at a monumental level in college football. Uh, it seems like college football is dealing with it a lot more than the NFL, and that's because the NFL can isolate their guys and their pros, and they can just go to their mansion and go to the facility. And college kids are nasty, and they're around each other all the time, you know, swapping spit and house parties and frat parties and bullshit. And you know that, that the I'm not trying to, like, talk crap about your generation or anything. I know that every time somebody says anything, you know, disrespectful about young people you everybody needs a, a fucking comfort dog or a nice cry but i will say this you think you guys could maybe stop partying for like a month so we can get the virus under control and and move forward that would be awesome uh because it seems to me that young people just could give a shit um but that's neither here nor there uh happy election day 
Uh, bus kickoff on Saturday against UCLA. They're home dogs to the Bruins. Um, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but I'll be very eager to see what Sam Neuer does at quarterback. Last year he was playing safety, uh, and this year he's the starting quarterback. So <laughs> you tell me. Um, I'm not saying the kid can't do the job. I'm saying that when you have six exhibition games against Pac-12 talent, and, that, and listen to what I just said, six exhibition games against Pac-12 talent. That's essentially what this year is. Because no one's talking about this. I talked about it last week with Brandon Spano and he was on episode 87. But this this season doesn't count. No one's going to lose eligibility. The class of 2022 for scholarship offers is going to be super low because there's not going to be a lot of guys leaving unless they're going to the NFL or they quit playing football. No one's losing eligibility. If you were a redshirt freshman when you started this year, you're a redshirt freshman when you start next fall. So, why in the hell is Brandon Lewis not starting at quarterback? And then you can warm him up for six games. That's my only B and, and balls out and everything's great. But shit, man, I can't predict the future, so I guess we'll see. Um, I, I do expect them to beat UCLA at home, though. Uh, the last time they had the Bruins and Folsom, they, they smoked them. So I'd like to think that they can repeat that success. Last year's game at the Rose Bowl was not great, but I love the defense for the Buffs this year. I think they're going to be extremely physical and great in their front seven. I, I, the young corner starting, the true freshman starting at corner, I'm eager to see how he does. Um, Nate Lamon, in my opinion, is – top three, four middle linebacker in, in the country. And, you know, Carson Wells is a hell of a player. Kernard Lang's a hell of a player. Jalen Samaya at the nose tackle is a monster. And Mustafa Johnson, in my opinion, is the best three technique since ya boy. So Coach Wilson and I have been talking at length, and uh, he's damn excited to go play some ball on Saturday night, and I'm damn excited to watch the Buffs. And I feel like Christmas is Saturday. My birthday's on Friday. Christmas is Saturday when the Buffs finally kick off. So I really can't wait. Uh, so CSU went and got their asses hammered by Fresno State. I can't really sit here and talk too much shit about that. Fresno State tends to ruin a lot of Colorado dreams, even Colorado State dreams. So that that sucks. Uh, Adazio's got to get them figured out up there. You can't be giving up those kind of points and expect to win football games. I think they've got some good individual talent on that team up there, but I don't know how much of a team they actually have. And Steve and his son, Louie, the O-line coach, and Coach Perkins, their DB coach, is awesome. Chuck Heater, their defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, who's excellent. I'm sure he'll get them figured out. But again, it's an exhibition year, so give them time to grow as well. I wouldn't be judging CSU too harshly on what's going on this year. Exhibition conference games, it's very rare, if ever. Uh, Air Force got smoked by Boise. They were in the game for a while, but once you fall behind uh, at the Air Force Academy, it's pretty hard to catch up running that triple option. Army and Air Force kick off this weekend. Hopefully Air Force can get that win so they can control the Commander and Cups trophy. Uh, as they whipped Navy's ass to start the year. So we'll see what happens there, but you always want our Air Force guys down there to win in the Springs. So uh, some big games this week in college football, but again, you know, it, it's college football has become extremely top heavy, in my opinion. Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State are making the playoff. That fourth one, I mean, people are throwing Cincinnati in there. You want to see Cincinnati against Clemson? Are you, I mean, what are you out of your fucking mind high off your ass that I like Cincinnati as a team. They're going to get beat by 50 by Clemson. No, I'm not trying to talk shit. Just it's a fact. I mean, Clemson is smoking damn near everybody. And when Trevor Lawrence comes back with a vengeance, he's, you know, that too much of a good look there chief. And then when you're looking at, 
the other teams that could fill that four spot, is it a six-win, seven-win Pac-12 champion? Is that really going to get them in this late in? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've got maybe two SEC teams, if Georgia sneaks in or Notre Dame sneaks back in, if they can figure out a way to split with Clemson. And then they've got to play them probably again in the ACC title game as they're taking the top two teams, not the division winners, which I prefer anyway. I didn't prefer it when I was in college when we were in the North and we could win it every year but I prefer it now. I like the way the Big 12 does it, and I hope that the other conferences go towards that as they move forward. Get rid of divisions and just play. All right, so college football was is, is and was kick-ass, and it's just going to get better this weekend as the Pac-12 and and the MAC kickoff. MAC kicks off on Wednesday. Uh, I'm probably not going to be too bet-heavy on the MAC, but I'll watch the shit for sure. So we'll see. All right, let's get into the National Football League. Uh, the NFL – Last week was, again, it was as crazy as you want it to be uh, with a lot of games going down to the wire. Um, we'll start with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Pittsburgh goes to Baltimore, beats them 28-24. Uh, Pittsburgh improves to 7-0. Baltimore falls to 5-2. Baltimore's two losses are Kansas City and Pittsburgh. They beat, they beat them the same way the Chiefs did with zone coverage and, and timely blitzes and making Lamar Jackson sit back there and think and hold the ball. And, Baltimore ran the ball down Pittsburgh's throat, but it didn't seem to matter really in the outcome of the game. Pittsburgh was more than happy to let them move the ball between the 20s. Uh, and then, you know, uh, they had a pick six at uh, the first two, three plays of the game. They ran the ball well and controlled the clock. And then when they got turnovers, they took advantage, Roethlisberger to Ebron, so on and so forth. So Pittsburgh is is – I think they're lucky to be 7-0. I think they easily could have lost the Titan game if Tennessee played the first half. And I'd like, I, I want to see how they finish the season. You know, Pittsburgh, Kansas City is down the road. That's going to be a hell of a game and probably for the number one seed in the conference. So we'll see what happens there. But I like, I like the Steelers until they get to the playoffs. And everyone knows what I'm talking about. Pittsburgh in the playoffs is very up and down. So we'll see. Um, Baltimore is – probably going to be a wild card team and that may suit them better to go on the road and be an underdog and and you know the, the last two times that they've hosted playoff games Lamar Jackson hasn't played very well so I, I'd like to see what they're like on the road and if Lamar Jackson plays a little bit more free and and I don't think they're going to be end up winning the north after losing to Pittsburgh already and being two back two and a half back I guess you could say now with two losses and a loss in division to Pittsburgh head-to-head all right, so the Vegas Raiders go on the road against the Browns in Cleveland. 16-6, uh, to 6, it was an ugly game, and it was ugly weather. It was sleet, sleeting from the side at one point. Uh, Gruden looked like a – you know, like a like a, a snowman that got tarred and feathered out there. And, you know, the Raiders are – the Raiders are really smash-mouth hard-nosed football team on offense and they're super jackal and hide on defense if you get them playing on a good day on defense they can beat anybody if you get them playing on a bad day on defense they can get beat by anybody and cleveland cleveland hasn't beat a good team yet uh they beat cincinnati twice and i think cincinnati's better than their record but they're not good <clears throat> and I, I think cleveland's going to do just enough to sneak into the playoffs uh, by beating the bad teams uh, on their on their schedule, but you put the Browns against somebody with any stones, and they're getting smoked. I mean, they're the turds for a reason. Um, 
Pats and the Bills, I don't want to spend too much on this other than the demise of the Patriots. The Bills look like they're running away with the East. Looks like they're gonna they're gonna host a playoff game in Orchard Park this year, which is cool for Buffalo. That is, I wonder what Miami has to say about that and getting a huge win over the Rams. Uh, but the the Patriots and their nosedive, it's not like this is this is anything new to the rest of the NFL. Pretty much, everybody's got to rebuild at some point. You just had twenty years of greatness. You won the AFCs eighteen times. I mean, if if Bill Belichick can have a bad year, this is the year in 2020 COVID, you know, the COVID championship coming up in February. Cam Newton can't play the quarterback position anymore, but he can run the wildcat. That's for damn sure. Um, half of their defense opted out or is hurt. And again, Bill Belichick doesn't want to use excuses, but I will. I mean, that's the excuse. It's what it is. And uh, they should probably just roll with Jared Stenham the rest of the year and get his feet wet on Monday night against the lowly Jets. My Jets are so bad. So, so, so bad. Kansas City just hammered them. It was like they were at Playland on, on Sunday, just beat them 35 to nine, five touchdown passes by Mahomes. So put Stidham out there and get him some confidence. Don't keep rolling with Cam. You're not going to bring him back next year. Let's, let's just call it what it is. So I can't sit here and feel sorry for the Patriots, man. They've been hammering people for two decades. They have the number, the best quarterback in history. They've been to nine Super Bowls in 20 years, and they have six titles. So, boo-fucking-who, you're having a shitty year. Get over it, man. I mean, shit happens. Bill Belichick, if he wants to stay there and continue, he will. But I love how people are now like, well, both of his sons are on the coaching staff. No wonder the defense bad. Come on, man. Media will just run with literally anything, anything to get a click. You're um, me, me included. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, bro. All right, Dallas and Eagles on Sunday night was one of the most boring games I've ever watched, and that's why I didn't really watch much of it. Uh, after Jalen Rager scored, and I had him plus four hundred on scoring a touchdown, I called it a night and went to sleep. The NFC least I could really give a shit who wins that division. Um, it's laughable, man. It's laughable. The Giants could have beat the Bucks last night. The refs made sure that didn't happen. But the division is laughable. Next year, they'll probably be the best division in football, knowing the NFL. But this year, it's laughable. Um, San Francisco and Seattle. San Francisco's in trouble. They go to Green Bay on Thursday night. Green Bay got mopped by Minnesota. Looked like they were not ready to play. They're not feeding off the emotion of the fans because there's nobody there. Minnesota walked in there at one and five and just Dalvin Cook went off for four touchdowns. And maybe that's what Mike Zimmer needs to do. Just you just paid the guy, turn around and give him the ball, throw him the ball. Just give that dude the ball as much as possible. And then Kirk Cousins won't be accountable to win you football games. But when you're talking about San Francisco and Seattle, it Seattle is really, really good on offense. DJ Metcalf looks like the best receiver in football right now. Easily the most explosive receiver in football right now. And I hear a lot of people comparing him to Megatron, and I don't see that necessarily. Calvin Johnson is more like an Andre Johnson to me, like big body, very fluid athletic receivers that can run routes as good as anyone, but also can high point. I feel like those two could go in and play small forward for somebody and be really, really good. Where I think you put Terrell Owens and Megatron on the basketball court and they'd really struggle shooting free throws because they're just so damn big and strong. I think I think Metcalf is more a Terrell Owens without the ego, which is awesome. 
Um, and that's, that's what I see there. T.O. was just such a freak and such a, just such a physical, just monster on the field. And that's what Metcalf is. The way he ran down Buda Baker was nuts. He had 12 catches Sunday, uncoverable. So it, I'm not really saying one or the other. Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Andre Johnson's a Hall of Famer. It looks like D.J. Metcalf is going down that road if he can stay healthy. Russell Wilson is probably the front runner for the MVP, although Mahomes only with one interception only is slowly catching him. Uh, I, I'd love to see a Seattle-Kansas City Super Bowl if Denver can't get there, which I don't know, man. That was pretty awesome on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a minute, but – that that Super Bowl would be pretty outstanding with those two quarterbacks. So, it it, it needless to say, it was a, a, an interesting Sunday to say the least. Um, I'll end with New Orleans and Chicago for this reason: the game ended in overtime, twenty six twenty three. It was the first outdoor game for the Saints of this year, and they went on the road and got a, a got a huge win in Chicago. Chicago is now showing their true colors a little bit, playing playoff teams, and they're losing. The 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 receiver Mems that ran across the field to find the defensive back from New Orleans and punch him in the helmet. Look, bro, if he spit on you, uh, okay, I guess you can fight on national TV and be that guy. No one knows he spit on you on national TV. You just look like a psychopath. And you look like a stupid psychopath on top of it because you're punching a dude with the fucking helmet on. What are you doing? He's got a – I've been in a million football fights, and I end up laughing my ass off at the end of them because guys are slapping me in the face, masking my helmet, bro. I mean, come on, man. You don't run halfway across the field to fight a dude who's got a helmet on. You moron. And now he's suspended for two games, two game checks gone, and – I bet that they would cut his ass at the end of those two games. <laughs> it's just, it's pretty funny to me that people are still fighting with helmets on. I always loved aggravating offensive and then defensive players to the point where they wanted to fight me. My first practice ever in the NFL, I had West Nile virus when I was a rookie and I got cut from the Rams right after or right before training camp for failure to report. Cause I was in the fucking hospital with West Nile virus and it took me like six weeks to get healthy and the the rams cut me by mail they sent me this certified letter failure to report after they told me the day before they were going to put me on pup so i get signed by the jets week six and i get there and i'm on the practice squad and my first practice is full pads because they had really been struggling and or or shells but it was physical practice because it's nine on seven and curtis martin's back there playing running back and jason fabini's playing right guard and i'm just some rookie and I fly off the ball like it's the Super Bowl and knock the shit out of Fabini and, and like, tackle Curtis. And I get in trouble. If you don't tackle Curtis Martin, what are you doing, you stupid-ass rookie, blah, 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 blah. Next play, I fire off and hit Fabini hard again. And he comes after me and starts fighting. Grabs my helmet and starts rolling it around, starting to punch. And I am laughing my ass off the whole time while this is happening. And he, it's making him more pissed off. So as he's, like, having a gargoyle freakout because he's a 6'10", he looks like a rug. It looks like a, the fucking area rug on my floor in here. That's what Fabini looks like. So not a, it's not my fault you're 6'10 and you hate your life, bro. I'm a rookie. You, you're it's not my fault. So when he gets done beating his own ass while he's trying to beat me up, <laughs> Tannenbaum and Herm Eppers walk up to me and they go, were you laughing the whole time you were in that fight? And I was like, yeah, the whole time I was in the fight, I was laughing at him and telling him he was a punk. And they were like, 
well, he is a punk. He hasn't been playing that well this year. You keep that up. You'll be on the field no, in no time, 95. And I was like, holy shit, all right, this is the place for me. So that's when I knew that I was supposed to be in the NFL at that point. So it is what it is. <clears throat> all right, so let's get into your Denver Broncos before we bring on Phil Lindsay. And uh, I'm going to get the Unchained rant out of the way right now because it's quick. I'm sorry, Garrett Bowles. Because I want him to resign here. So this is me saying, yo, the last four years, that wasn't you. That was Garrett. This new guy, that's Bulls. And I don't care if you had three penalties Sunday. You played your balls off. One of them was a real, real, real ticky-tack holding penalty. And the other push in the back was a block. And see the difference when you play really well and you're grading out high and you're not doing stupid shit? You can get away with a couple dumbass penalties. That's the way it works, bro. So I'm saying from the Denver fan base, I don't want to see another offensive line draft pick developed here and shipped. I don't need Ty Sambrello starting for the Titans and Ben Garland starting two Super Bowls after he leaves and Billy Turner going to the Pro Bowl with the Packers after he leaves and McGovern starting every game at center when he leaves and so on and so Michael Schofield and so on and so forth. The list goes on and on. I don't need to add Garrett Bowles to that list just developing him and watching him struggle here to go somewhere else. So here's the rant. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. You're smart. You're good looking. I'm not very good looking. You're good at football. Just stay here, bro. The offer they give you stay here. So we don't have to draft another rookie left tackle and go through that hell again. And maybe next time everybody should just be a little bit understanding. (laughs) Yeah, fucking right, man. He had 13 holding penalties last year. So, Again, see, it rears its ugly head. Garrett, I'm sorry. You're playing your ass off this year. You should stay. This team is young and on the up. That's your unchained rant. I'm yelling at myself. Phil Lindsay joins us here on episode up on episode 88 of McChesney Unchained uh, at the end of the show. So do not go anywhere. Thank you to Adam for, for producing this bad boy and putting up with all my bullshit. Uh, make sure you get down to DNVR Bar. Uh, and lounge that place is awesome if it's off of colfax get down there and and support your local small business Uh, but let's get into this bronco game okay so first off professional athletes i implore you when you're hurt in the middle of the game dog stay off of twitter in the middle of the game stay off of twitter in the middle of the game let me reiterate the fans are are nuts. I try and stay off social media during the game. I just post afterwards, win or lose. Everyone has got magic fingers at every play. So everything that goes wrong is the end of the world. And everything that goes right, they're like, well, what shit? Why don't they do that every time? The other guys are pros too. So if I'm Mike Purcell and Cortland Sutton and some of these other hurt guys, just stay off social media. You can't, there's no rationalizing with a fool, gentlemen. You know what you're talking about. Most fans that are intelligent also have good perspective and know what they're talking about to a point, but they don't know it like you and I do. So it's okay. Give a little bit here, man. Kill them with a little bit of kindness. Kill them with a smile. Just tell them they're right and move on or don't even comment. But definitely don't get on and say that you guys can't boo. Let me be frank, okay? I've, I've lived here a long time. 
I can't tell you how many Broncos games I went to in Old Mile High and South in the Old South stands I, and, and watch the Broncos get so close every year and blow it and not be able to win until the end of Elway's career. I was in high school when they won their Super Bowls, and it was like, it was like fucking Christmas, okay? 2015 was cool, but it was nothing like 97 to 98 for me, in my opinion. So all I'm saying is the Broncos have had a lot of success, but they've also had a lot of heartbreak. And the, the fans expect the, the players to play at a level and to be prepared at a level like that fourth quarter. The fourth quarter Sunday is what everyone expects. You don't have to win every game, but you need to show up and compete and look like you're ready to play. So when you're down, what, 21 to 24 to 3 at halftime or 17 3 at halftime, and then you're down 24 to 3 right at 12 minutes in the third quarter, and people start booing, and there's only 7,600 of them there, can you imagine what 70,000 would sound like? A lot worse than 7,600. So, again, the, the fact that the Broncos are so sensitive about fan involvement, media criticism, and booing makes me wonder how the fuck they're going to go to Atlanta and win, how they're going to deal with Buffalo at home and win, how they're going to go to Kansas City and win, how they're going to go, how they're going to handle some of these adverse situations going down the line here. I mean, look, the Broncos schedule moving forward. All right, Broncos schedule moving forward. At Atlanta, Raiders, Miami. Those three team those three games are must wins, especially the the Raider and Miami game being NFC teams and one of them being the West. If they find a way to win these next three games, they are legitimate playoff contenders and they've essentially eliminated Miami and, and the Raiders assuming they can beat Buffalo or Kansas City at the end of the year. Can they beat New Orleans at the end of the year? There's some really good playoff teams on this schedule, and then there's teams fighting for the playoffs. So it's not as if they're just going to roll in, win games, and come back and win 31-30 to every week. And the expectation can be that, though, for the fan, which is amazing why the players are so sensitive about the booing. So that, that's the first thing. I'm going to ask Phil Lindsay about that too, because he's from here. He, he knows what the expectations are. And I thought what he said on Twitter was, was spot on about it. You know, the, the fans expect a lot and they, they have the right to boo if they buy a ticket. You know, it's not necessarily what you want to hear, but those same people booing are the ones that just want you to do well. They'll be the ones clapping and cheering the loudest. They boo because they give a shit. I mean, it, the, the guy who's just like, ah, fuck it. The Broncos suck and turns the game off. That's not a fan. The guy who, who is tore up about it and his stomach's upset after blowing games that you should win, knowing you have a playoff team in front of you and, and a young playoff team at that, that is what a fan looks like. So I don't really have a problem with the fans booing. Uh, I think I have more of an issue with the players being super sensitive. I don't know. I didn't have social media when I was playing, so I don't know how I would have reacted to someone nitpicking every single thing I do. Probably not very good. Um but that's neither here nor there. I didn't have to deal with that shit, and they do. So it is what it is. Um, the first half of the game was atrocious. I mean, it was it was poorly played. It was poorly executed. It was poorly coached. Um, I thought Drew Locke was extremely average, if not bad. And whatever happened at halftime, whether it was his speech to himself and then to the team, but 
after Phil Lindsay breaks the 55 yarder, he loves playing the Chargers, by the way. He makes the Chargers look dumb as dumb every time they play. They just whip that ass. Um, after he broke that run and then Kareem Jackson in succession knocked out his own player and A.J. Bouye in hand on Williams and then leading to that interception. I know what you're thinking, Kareem. And then, in, and then again, and you'll see this in the turning point, Allie and I did the turning point this morning, and we, we specifically focused on the Kareem Jackson hit on Pope 35 uh, for the Chargers. But the, the nickel corner does a great job of holding that wide receiver on the force position and forcing Pope inside. And Kareem Jackson comes out from, from that cover two spot and comes downhill with a vengeance and puts his shoulder pad underneath Pope's chin. Woo! That's why I love football, bro. It had me off the sofa. I'm like, there's some old school fucking ass kicking football right there. And 22 had a 27 moment. That looked like Steve Atwater out there laying somebody out. Now, he didn't lay out Christian Okoye, but. I know Pope's not that big, but he's he's two inches shorter now as well. They took him into the the, the blue tent. And they're like, oh shit, you were five eight. Damn, you're five six now, Pope. Go in the locker room. So I, Kareem Jackson setting the tone, especially with Vaughn off the field. I heard a I heard something today that Vaughn's trying to come back in a month. So I don't know if that's the smartest thing after the injury he had. But if he's healthy and he wants to come get a couple sacks and make this defense any even better. I'm with that shit. Um, but Kareem Jackson's hit set the tone, and this team after that just went off. And Deshaun Hamilton stepped up and made big plays. Albert O stepped up and made big plays. The Missouri connection, you know, and then K.J. Hamler, everything he's been through as a young rookie and getting questioned, second round, blah, 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 blah. For him to make that catch at the end of the game, I love the play call, you know, forcing, knowing they're going to go man coverage and try and stop any run penetration. That's the easiest way in from a yard. You know, they they sell out to stop the run. We run bootleg. It puts Locke and, it puts Locke and Hamler in a two-on-one situation. It's a little give-and-go action uh, for all you basketball fans out there. And the DB chose Locke, and Locke said, okay, I'm firing the fucking pigskin. Hamler caught it, ass cheek on the ground, the second one of the day. And the Broncos are, are three and four and winning 31-30 on a walk-off. So it's the ass-cheek game. I mean, it, with Albert O getting both ass-cheeks down and Hammer getting one ass-cheek down, that's three out of four ass-cheeks down, and that'll get us a win. Um, <laughs> the, the, the most important thing about this, in my opinion, is where it takes Denver. And I love 31-30 to 30 over the Chargers. The Chargers have, have let – damn near everybody they played come back and beat them so i'm glad we could do it too i don't know if i've ever been more more worried about an east coast road trip than i am right now about atlanta and i'm just going to say this right now okay the broncos have had two days off they had a victory monday and then they had voting day today so they didn't have to go in i know that good pros went in but not everybody did um they're going to soft on wednesday soft on thursday probably no practice friday uh, and then now with, with Ellis and Elway both testing positive for COVID today, if you didn't know that, there you go. There's some, there's some update. Um, do they lock down the facility? Do they just tell them to come home? I know they're not around the players as much. Um, but it, it, that also could hinder the, the get ready. Atlanta's coming off a Thursday night win. They've had 10 days to get ready for Denver while Denver was beating the Chargers 
Atlanta was watching Denver beat the Chargers, so they've had a ton of time to prepare for this game. Denver's coming off a huge emotional win. They're young. It's an East Coast swing. You lose. You didn't practice for two days, and you lose a day in travel. You only have two days to get ready for a very explosive offense that doesn't have problems scoring points. Defensively, they've got a ton of holes, but when you have 10 days to prep, you're going to look a lot better. It's almost it's the Thursday night effect. When you have three days, both teams have three days to prep, you can get whatever you get. Thursday night can be 40 to 38 or it can be 12 to 7. But when you have 10 days to get ready and you have like an exaggerated bye week, usually those teams show up and play pretty well. And Atlanta hasn't had any COVID problems, knock on wood. And, you know, they're playing for Raheem Morris and Matt Ryan is really good and Julio Jones really good. And I guarantee you they're sitting there saying, if we have any chance to do anything with our season – we have to go and show up and beat Denver this weekend. And this this is a letdown game. They've got the Raiders next week. They've got Miami after that. Everyone, oh, they can go to Atlanta and win, no problem. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a fucking dogfight. And I'm not saying the Broncos are going to lose the game, but I would not be shocked at all if they do. I would not be shocked at all. And they, if even if they lose, it's not the end of the world. But it damn sure makes things harder. So sitting at four and four, looking at the Raiders, and then looking at Miami and being oh, shit, man, we could be six and four. We could potentially be six and four going into Kansas City, or six and four going into New Orleans, and then Kansas City seven seven and three, you know, seven and five, maybe eight and four football team. That is that's productive right there. It's it's just a matter of are you going to set yourself up to beat the bad football teams. The Broncos have got to find a way to not be a bad team and lose these games, but beat a bad team and win them. Go beat Atlanta and make them look like the bad team and you're better at four and four. Go beat the Raiders. And then all of a sudden you don't have to deal with the Raiders anymore. They're pretty much eliminated because the AFC is so damn deep. Go beat Miami and Tua Tonga Filoa. And then, you know, all of a sudden you've got the young quarterback that's up and coming instead of them. The Broncos have a chance to set their own narrative here. And, when we bring Phil Lindsay on here in a little bit to talk about this, uh, we're going to talk to him about a lot of different things and, and we're honored to have him on, but about this narrative and how the Broncos can set their own narrative. And, and also I think he can set his own narrative as well. I don't know if Phil needs to go talk to the head coach of the OC or something, but in the last two weeks, he's had 14 carries and I think he's averaged close to 10 yards a clip, both, both games combined. And he has the only explosive running play I've seen this year so far. I know Gordon scored against the Jets. Again, they were selling out to stop fourth and one, and he busted it outside. Even Rippon was out throwing a block, for God's sakes. So I, I think that Phil Lindsay needs more work, and we will obviously talk to him about that as we move uh, forward here on episode 88 of McChesney Unchained. So keep your eyes open for Atlanta. This is a scary-ass game on Sunday. I don't feel good about it at all. Um, and, and to be honest with you, if the Broncos are going to be who we think they can be and in a little bit of a homage to Dennis Green, they need to go take care of business the next three weeks and put themselves in position to have big games against New Orleans and Kansas City and Buffalo at the end of the season to see if they are playoff contenders or not. They're going to need to win one of those three to prove it to me that they can go into the playoffs and maybe get a W. So. All right, we're going to bring Phil Lindsay on here now on McChesney Unchained, episode 88. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to Phil about several different things, including uh, last week's 31-30 to comeback victory over the hated L.A. Chargers and the trip to the ATL this weekend and how they're going to handle it. So don't go anywhere, folks. Phil Lindsay joins us next on McChesney Unchained. <laughs> 
And it's my honor and pleasure to bring in my boy, Phil Lindsay, number 30 for your Denver Broncos, number 23 for your Colorado Buffaloes, number one in your heart here on the Colorado Front Range. Uh, Phil joins us on episode 88, McChesney Unchained, DNVR Sports, and McChesney Unchained brings you the interview, and we're damn excited about it. Phil, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for taking the time today to talk to us. All right. Thank you guys for having me, man. You know, good, good seeing you again, man. It's always good to see you, bro. So, uh, well, you've been through a lot of ups and downs since you got to the Broncos. Okay. I think this is your most talented team to be, to be completely frank, even with Vaughn getting hurt. And I know that's crazy to say 7,600 fans on Sunday saw an absolutely electrifying, uh, NFL football game. Talk about the environment. You've been in there when it's 70,000 deep. Yeah. I felt like Sunday with 7,600 was even – was just as hyped. Just talk about the environment a little bit, oh, Sunday. for sure. For sure. The environment was great. Honestly, you know, it does – I mean, you do – you can tell if there's 70,000 people. But it, it was it was the same kind of electrifying stuff. Like that It got loud, you know, and it was surprising because you look in there and it doesn't look like nobody's there. Everybody's spread out, you know, you know, with the coronavirus going on. But, you know, Bronco country is – you know, we have great fans and, and, and they're, you know, they, they mean well and they want to, they want us to win, you know, and they're passionate about it, you know, which they should, you know, this is a winning organization. They're used to winning. When I was growing up, just like you, yep. you know, the Broncos is a winning organization. You know, everybody couldn't wait to play on Sunday because you knew the Denver Broncos were going to win games, you know, and, and Broncos have always, for me growing up, have always had a good defense. Like, like let's face it. I always remember Broncos has a great defense, a defensive yep. team. So, yeah. I, I'm just uh, – the, the atmosphere on Sunday and at home watching it, 7,600 sounded like 70 and at one point. And I saw that after, after you busted the 55-yarder and then Kareem knocked Pope out. Yeah. He 5'8 when he ran through the hole. He's 5'6 <laughs> when he got to the side. <laughs> Just, just talk about it. I think you're the tone setter on offense, and I think 22 is the tone setter on defense. And it, it's not surprising to me that you popped and he popped and then the team popped. So, yeah. number one, you just love playing the Chargers, bro. Every time you play <laughs> these people, you break up and run. You know, I don't know what, what, what that's all about. You know, I just – from the start, you know, I think the Chargers is a tough team. And, honestly, they had us pretty handled the, the, the whole game. And they, they handled, handled us up front. Their starting front is athletic as hell. You know, they're athletic. And they added more depth to their secondary, who's great. You know, and Chris Harris wasn't there, which probably makes a big deal. You know what I mean? It definitely does. You know, and so, like, they're on the right right track to being a really good team. And they've lost majority of their games like like this. You know what I mean? They're having, they're having the success. If they can just find a way to keep it, they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, you know, I, you know, I definitely think that, you know, and I think for us, it was a milestone. It's something that we needed desperately for us to try to get over the hump, to try to get back to four to 500, go four and four. So we can kind of regroup, restart this stuff and find a way to find our way back into the, you know, being a, being a playoff team and not on the edge of being a wild card, like be in it, you know, and the fact is you got to get another win here and we got to start rolling. And I know Coach Fangio's talking to everybody, probably not yet, but I know you've heard all we got to do is get into the tournament. All we got to do is get into the tournament. And if you guys find a way with this young team and as spry as you are to get into the tournament, 
there's going to be a lot of teams that don't want to play you that are at the top of the AFC. They're like, oh, Broncos are five, six, or seven, or now maybe an eight seed with the NFL potentially expanding the playoffs on another team, exactly. which is good for us. So I, I, I agree with you right there. And then that leads me into my next question here. Coming off a 31 to 30 comeback, emotional win, everybody's on there. Everybody feels good. I know you know this. Atlanta played Thursday. They got 10 days to get ready for Denver. East yeah. Coast road playing. You've had Monday and Tuesday off. Everybody feels good. How is your young team and being the leader you are, how are you going to yeah. make sure everybody's head screwed on right going to Atlanta? Because yeah. they're a lot better than two and six. Oh, definitely. They're 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 way better than two and six. And they got some athletic dudes on that side of the ball on defense and offense. Uh, they got a great quarterback. And so if you go into their home thinking that it's going to be easy, you're going to get blown out. You know, so for us, it's going to be very important. You know, with all this COVID going on, we don't know, you know, what's going to happen, all this throughout the whole NFL. It's about staying focused. It's about making sure you get the mental reps, uh, the mental reps um, when, when, you, when you're in your book playbook, you know, and, and when you're on the Zoom calls with your, with your team, like take that stuff serious. And then it's about, uh, physically taking care of your body because you're not going to get that that time to to really just get in the groove because one you know one day you're practicing the next two days you ain't because some somebody done popped for COVID so it's just one of those things where you gotta as a team grow up you know and just play football and I think that you know with a young team it's it's good because you have you know people that are younger you know what I mean? So they 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 want to they want to show what they got, and they they don't need as much rest time as you would if you had more of a veteran team. Um, but you know, it all comes down to being consistent, and it all comes down to making plays. You know, and uh, you know, defense have, has held it down for us, and we got to find a way to to make these first first two quarters uh, better. You know, what I mean, you know, I think that you know we we played some pretty bad ball the first two quarters, and I, you know that's we all know that. You know, and I think that's just us getting in the groove and, and finding ways to make plays, you know, and we found that way come the third quarter. So speaking of making plays, that's what you do, right? Yeah. I love it when you break runs because all I can hear is you say, hey, never been caught, never had. Well, what, yeah. what's, what's the line? Never been caught, never will? Yeah, never will. Never will. I never saw you get caught. I never saw you get caught at East. He was coming though. Hey, I will say that he was coming though. He was coming. He was coming. No, he didn't catch you. I never, never seen you get caught at at South. I never saw you get caught in Boulder, and I never seen you get caught in Denver. So, speaking about making plays, there's a lot of a lot of. It's like Denver split on the running back mountain between Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay. It's like, oh well, we can't just have two. I look at it as if you don't have two, you don't have one. Because mm-hmm. in the NFL these days, people not only with injuries and just workload, I'd rather have two or three guys that can share it than you just one dude. Like you got to, man. Like he's been run out. Like he's got nothing left in the tank because he's been carrying the ball for three years straight. No, for sure. For sure. You, you got to have three. Back thousand yard seasons. They bring in Melvin Gordon. Number one, what have you learned from a vet like that? Because that's always a blessing for a young guy. Yeah. I always thought it was awesome when Alan Fanica came in with the Jets. I was glued to his hip. Like, what teach me yeah. something. And then number two, how how just vicious of a combo can you two guys be with the next nine and moving into the playoffs? I think it's scary. No, for sure. I mean, when you have somebody like Melvin who's been around, he knows the ropes. He's a talented running back. He can do a lot of things. He's smart. He can make plays. It just put, adds another uh, explosive person on the field. You know what I mean? You you always, you want as many explosive pieces as you can. 
That's what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. They got so many explosive pieces, it's hard to keep up with them. Now you got two great running backs with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's hard. You know what I mean? And so we could be the same way. You know, it's been tough with the injuries. Like, that's just how it has been in the whole NFL with our team, with me, you know, with me. Um, and, you know, it's, it sucks, but it's just part of the game. You can't do nothing about it. You know, your hands are tired. But being able to have both of us be able to spell each other, it's going to make us even better. You know, because one game, I could be, be the one uh, being explosive, but the next game, Melvin can go off. You know, so it's always having that consistent thing happen no matter what. You know, and, you know, Melvin made some big plays in that game last week that uh, helped win the game. You know what I mean? And helped help, help win the game. And he's a, he's a threat that you always have to pay attention to. That whole drive at the end of the game was you and Melvin out of the backfield for six, seven yeah. yards a clip until they got in position to score the touchdown. So, yeah. All right, so let, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Being, being in that position where you're down 30 to 24 and you feel the momentum gaining, right? And you're talking about making plays and how we make plays. Talk about Judy and Hamler and Fant and Lindsey and Gordon. I mean, this this team and the offensive line and how they're coming together. Austin Slotman stepped in for a $60 million guard and played his ass sure. off. Eisner's playing his ass off. And look, I'll be the first one to eat crow. I already apologized to him on the show, but Garrett Bowles is balling. I pray to God that he he takes the contract when they give it to him, so we don't have to develop another left tackle. No, no, I, I agree. I the, even think some of those calls last week were ticky tacky ass calls that he, that they, they did for. The show, you know what I mean? It was bad. You know, and, and the thing was, the, the good thing I seen about Garrett was he didn't never got down on himself because he knew those were ticky tack ass calls, and we we know how you know everybody talks in the NFL. Refs do the same thing; they talk. And the first thing they do is, is watch, you know, whoever else, so, so and so, watch it. Like that's the first thing they do. So, I mean, I'm proud of Garrett. You know, I'm proud of, of Dalton's growing up. I'm proud of Slotman. He had to step up, but he's always ready. He's always one of those guys that he 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 takes what he gets and he goes with it. You know, uh, you know, Grant's been doing a great job. It just you know sucked that he did have to get. You know, he had COVID. You know, and as quiet as a cat, uh, Papa Doc, he out there playing playing his his, his ass off. Yeah, you know, is. he he. Now he he might not look look good during practices. His knees need to be oiled up here and there. But I tell you what, when it comes game time, I don't think I don't think nobody's got a sack on that man yet. You know, no, he he, he the right tackle spot for sure. Oh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a, a and answered all the questions. He's looked great. Yeah, he's a great one. He's a great person for the offensive line to go to and see. And, and somebody like athletic as as uh, Elijah Wilkerson is, I think it's great for him to see it too. And, and they're both really good because Elijah is talented, talented as hell, and he's got to get you know healthy. I think that when you guys see a healthier Elijah Wilkerson, which I think when he comes back, he'll be a lot healthier, you know, because he's dealing with his ankle, he's dealing with the knee. I think you guys are gonna see uh, a pretty good, good, uh, talented offensive line that's growing every day. And that's that's really. Before we get you out of here on episode 88, uh, McChesney Unchained on DNVR, that's really the the point of this is I know you can see this, but your football team with the amount of injuries you have, number one, and, yeah. and all the young guys that are hurt, and then how well you're playing right now and all the young guys that are getting reps. Yeah, that's what I it mean, is. moving into 2021, there's going to be depth and explode. I mean, this team is super scary now. I can only imagine where you're going to be in a year from now when people are healthy and everyone's got another year of improvement. So exactly. I, I just I love the young offensive pieces. Talk about Hamler and Judy real quick before we get you. Yeah, out of here. for sure. I mean, like 
like like you said, they're explosive. You know, Judy came in doing doing some amazing stuff. You know, and Hamler, you know, had a little setback with his his hamstring, but now you get to see the feistiness with him, which is gonna come along. You know, as he as he gets more time in there. You know, Judy is getting more comfortable. You know, and the fact is. We got to find ways to find them, you know, because I know they're getting open. You know, I know they're getting open and stuff. So we got to find ways to find them. You know, we have some talented uh, tight ends. Albert O, I think you guys are starting to see, you know, Albert was scoring touchdowns every 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 day in camp. You know what I mean? He just – he was one of those that just needs – you know, he needed some time to, to, to fundamentally continue to grow. And you guys are seeing somebody that it can be really, really special in his NFL if he continues to take the steps. And he keeps learning. You already guys know about Noah, and Noah has made a big jump. You know, and if Noah can continue to get healthy and stuff, he's going to be back to himself again. Like, that's all that That's all that has to be done is everybody needs to try to stay as healthy as you can, and we just need to utilize every everything we have. If we do that, we'll be a special team. You, you know, know, and, you know, I – one thing that one thing I've always loved about you, watching you play and working with you all the all the times we've worked together and watching you just yeah. grow into this leader for the Broncos is, bro, you you're always talking about your teammates, you're always talking about your offensive line, you're always yeah. shoveling praise, and you're always every time something bad happens, you take it on your shoulders, and every time something good happens, you shovel the praise to your teammates, and as an offensive lineman and as a defensive lineman, both. I hated yeah. playing against guys that I used to. You could run over and they get up and then smile at you and be like, yeah. "Oh, I'm make it 55 next play." And then there was nobody that I wanted to block more for than guys like Thomas Jones with the Jets yeah. or guys like that or Curtis Martin, where you were like, "Man, this guy is the heart and soul of our football team." So it's just, I know that a lot of it is from from your dad and and your 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 football family and your sister being the coach and the badass that she is. But one thing I think that people aren't talking about enough is your leadership has really picked up since you became a daddy tip, bro. So oh, first definitely. of all, congratulations. I mean, appreciate it, man. You Actually, he's right here. Losing him real but... How cool is that, bro? That's the most amazing thing. I don't, like football, all that stuff. It can go, come and go. I don't care. But to be able to have my son, Son here. Look at him. Look at him. Oh, gorgeous. Look at you, <laughs> Phil. That's so awesome, bro. And that's what it's all about right there, folks. Hey. There it is. Get that bottle. Give me that yeah, rock. He loves it. He loves it. <laughs> so, oh, it's so cool, bro. All right, so let's get you out of here on this note. What what's what's his name? Philip. His name is Philip Jr. Yep. There it is. Boom, Jr. I love it. <laughs> well, he's All not right, technically he's not a junior though, because because I'm junior. Philip Thomas Lindsay. He's Philip Theo Lindsay, and then my father is Philip Troy Lindsay. So you put the PTL together. That, that's what my girl wanted us to do. So okay. it was it was pretty unique. Well, it's pretty awesome, and and you can tell that it's rubbing off on you, brother. So there, there's nothing better than that. Not only for yourself and your family, but for your development as a man too. It's it's an incredible. I appreciate time. that, man. Uh, so, lastly, our Colorado yeah. Buffaloes off Saturday night. They haven't played yeah. in like over a calendar year. It's hurting my feelings. Um, you're, I don't know if I know anybody more diehard other than me, other than you. I so, just talk about the Buffs a little bit and how you see the sure. season going with pretty much six games in conference, and that's it. That's, 
That's it. You know, it definitely is. Sucks for the kids. It sucks for the seniors, you know, but it is what it is. And the fact is they can do – they can shake things up with six or seven games. Yep. You know, I think that they're – I think that this is going to be beneficial for them. I think that they got more time to be closer with each other with this coronavirus. I think they got more time to be with a new head coach, which is very important, uh, you know, and – I think that they're going to be more talented than people think. You know, I, I feel like the defense is going to fly around. And I think that we're going to be surprised with someone like Neuer does. I mean, when I wasn't there, Neuer was a, a freshman. You know, and I think that seeing his maturity and hearing about it, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, I think that he's he's more athletic than people give him credit for. I mean, he turned to safety, and now he's back at, at, at quarterback. Now, I, I, mean, I love that. I think it's just going to be more about It's going to be more tough. Be you know what I mean? I think that we have a hell of a running back core. I think we got the young one that we, we just brought in, and then we got three of them. It sucks that Fontenot won't won't start the, the season off, but I they're talking to, to Coach Hagen today, which like he's, he's like my second father, so I'm always talking to him. I think that, you know, you're going to see explosive. Like you said, you need more than one running back. I think they got stable. Yep. I think they got three or four of them that are going to be able to be explosive, and I think they're going to keep people on their toes. You got someone like Katie Nixon that's ready to ball out. Ball. Ball. Explode. You know what I mean? I think he does. Yeah. You had Hagen the whole time you you right so no i started off with coach clayton adams who was the offensive line coach he, he he was our run back coach for two he years was, and then i had hagan the rest of the time that's when i once i got hagan that's when hey, i started to develop Hagen there the whole time he had now i've Hagen, always talked to hagan he, he was always in the in the personnel he was always part of the the personnel there and then he became funny a coach how you gravitate to one oh funny sure, how you gravitate I, to one Coach you. Wilson now is back at CU, the D-line coach, and he was my D-line coach when I was there the whole five years I was there. Okay. And now he's the D-line coach up there again. So it's just it's, – it's, when you brought that up, it just made me think about myself. It's good again. tradition. It's good to have the unique, though, awesome. because they know, first of all, they're, they're the legacy there. They're, you know, like everybody wanted to be Coach Hagen. So the thing is he knows how it is to, to, to get it done, but he also knows how it is to develop kids to make them special and get them into the NFL. And that's what you want. You want a bunch of kids that have potential of going to the NFL. We, when we had 2016 year, that whole defense was in the NFL. And we had, we had some parts in the offense that are in the NFL today. Like that's how it goes, you know, but we grew together. I think that you're going to see our head coach is, 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 is really good. He's a really good guy. And you probably know more about him than I do, you know, and so I, I I'm excited. Man, he's, he's I'm really pumped up about the future of the Buffaloes for sure. I'm I more pumped too. up now than I was when Mel beat Nebraska. I thought we were, oh my God, we're good. And then he left us yeah. in the middle of the night. No, and, for, but sure. It, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I think we got the right guy, Carl Durrell, and his staff's yeah. really good. I'm just happy to see these kids get to go out there and play. Hopefully they can get a defeat by Saturday. We, yeah, we, they should be able to. I think they will. Hey, UCLA doesn't like coming to Boulder, bro. Nah, nobody does. Yeah. You know, like, you know, don't come to Folsom Prison. We'll lock the gate on your ass. And I know, right? <laughs> All right, that is episode 88 of McChesney Unchained. That is my man, Phil Lindsay. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming on the show and then speaking some truth. Go kick some ass down there in Atlanta. Get back to, to your family time, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and best of luck this summer. All right, thank you guys for having me.